Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. I'm excited about this message, and I pray today that uh, really the message will just connect with you, and you'll be able to receive it, and you'll be blessed by that. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. And so I honestly believe that today. I don't believe you're here by chance or by, um, you know, some random thing that's happened, coincidence. I believe God brought you here today. Uh, We are starting a new series. Again, like I told you, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited for you. I pray that God will bless you. And the new sermon series is called Yahweh. And what we're talking about is the biblical names of God. And really, it's kind of a reminder of who God is. And we often read names of God in Scripture, and we, as we begin to read them, we don't really take the time to know what that name means and what it represents and what it represents and means to you and I. And I, I know that all of us today are going to be able to relate. I'm going to really minister on something that's going to really help you, and you'll be able to take it home with you and use it this week. Is that all right? Use it at work and however in your life, in your relationships, in your family. So I'm going to pray and ask the Lord just to help us today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. Your word today is needed in our lives. God, your word transforms lives. Your word is truth today that we need to hear. So, God, today I pray that you'll just begin to take that space in our hearts and our minds that are occupied by other things, that you'll remove those things from our hearts today, every distraction, all these other things that seem to kind of boggle our mind today, remove them right now. I pray for the Holy Spirit to bring clarity to our hearts. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare your word today, and that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So what, what is it about a name today? And all of us here, you have a name Uh, Your parents named you maybe after your grandparents or maybe you were named after your father or someone very famous and your name has meaning to it as to why they named you and all of us have been given a name and some of us have been given some nicknames and all right am I right they they've given us some nicknames and uh, these nicknames we're not actually uh some of these nicknames we're a little embarrassed about am I right and so some of them could be you know like Pookie and and Stinker and Junebug and Little Man and Pumpkin and um you know Boo Boo whatever they call you booger and, and all of these things and, and when we think of like we don't even some of these nicknames we don't even know where they came from and then when they started calling it they just stuck they stuck with us and we just say man and others have have called us names that we didn't like name calling how many know there's been some verbal abuse that's happened in our lives too and uh, uh, some of us have names little pet names for our spouse or that significant other person in your life, you know, honey boo boo or baby or sweetie and honey buns, whatever you call each other, right? 
And whatever your birth name is, you know, uh, I, I found that, you know, most of us have, a lot of people have first, middle, and last names. Uh, my family couldn't afford the middle name, so I only have a first and last name. <laughs> and, and, but, but, you know, I made sure to name our kids. They all have middle names as well. And there's something about a name when you introduce yourself, it begins to change your relationship with that person. At first, you're a stranger to that person, and then uh, then you introduce yourself, and then you become an acquaintance, and later maybe you become a friend, and later maybe even a, a companion or a partner. And sometimes our name can really get us places. Depending what your name is, they'll get you into places and give you some favor. Sometimes somebody else's name will get you favor. Get you that job, uh, get you in a place where you couldn't go, and they say, hey, I know so-and-so, and it uh, uh, gives you opportunities and opens doors for you. But our name is very significant. But I want to tell you, there's a name above every name, and his name is Jesus. His name is above every name. The Bible says that the demons tremble at the very name of Jesus. So all of us today, uh, we need to understand that names have meaning. Names have purpose, and especially when it comes to God's name. In fact, the Bible says we're to trust in his name. Look at what it says in Psalm chapter 20, uh, verse number 7 of God's word. It says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And so there's several names that we're going to attempt to cover in the next couple of months. So this series is going to go uh, not only for June, but it's going to go into July and right up to our conference because I think there's so many names that we're not going to be able to cover them all, but we're going to try to uh, really convey the names of God and really uh, get you to understand there's a name by Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah uh, um, Roy, Jehovah Shalom, uh, Jehovah Nisai, uh, Jehovah Shema, and then today we're going to talk about El Shaddai, El Shaddai. And so we're going to be talking about who God is because the name name of the Lord, listen to me, is the description of his character. The name of the Lord is the, the declaration of his commitment to his people. And the name of the Lord really declares who God is in your life. There's something about God's name today that's integral to God's identity. And I just want to remind you today of who God is. It's very easy as believers, as we come to church, and so often, as long as we've been coming to church, or as long as you've been saved, we kind of forget who God is. We kind of forget his identity. And I want to remind you today. I said, I want to remind you today of who God is and where you would be if it wasn't for God. I want to remind you today that where you are right now is because of God. You didn't get there. Your wisdom, your intuition didn't get you to where you're at today. You're more blessed than you realize. You have more favor than you realize today. The Bible says this in Psalm chapter 9, verse 10, and those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. The Bible says those who trust 
in the name of the Lord. And actually the translation there when it talks about the name is talking about his authority, his character, his honor. So when we trust in God's name, we are trusting in God's character. We are trusting in who God is. And there are explicit names that God has in scripture that signify who God is. Listen to me. God today is the God that will help us in our daily affairs. He will help you in your daily decisions. He will help you in whatever you're in and whatever you're doing. So this name El Shaddai really means God all-powerful. In other words, I am your all-powerful God. How many believe that? That God is an all-powerful God for you today. And so many people today feel powerless in their day. They feel powerless and they're looking for something to give them power. And the reason why we feel powerless is because many times the circumstances and the world that we live in and the things that we see that are happening around us can make us feel very powerless. When you begin to look at the news and you begin to look at videos and people getting mugged in broad daylight, it begins to fill your mind with questions. Uh, how am I going to get through this? Uh, you begin to realize that, that, man, God, where are you in some of this? Because how many know there's pain and sin everywhere? I don't care where you live. You know, a lot of people say, well, there's a lot of pain and sin in Los Angeles. Uh, there's a lot of pain and sin in Las Vegas. I want you to know there's pain and sin everywhere. In Texas, uh, in the East Coast, in the West Coast, in the Midwest, wherever you go, in every neighborhood, uh, there are people today that are hiding things that are happening in their life. In fact, I will say there are things right now that are happening in this room that are happening in the hearts of people right now. There is pain right now happening in the hearts of people right now. There are things happening right now where people sitting next to you feel powerless. They're not living to the fullest that God has for them. And today's message is, I don't want you to live a powerless life. I see lots of believers, listen to me, lots of believers that live powerless. The power of God's not working through them. They don't have the outlook that they should according to God's word. And today, I want you to realize today that God gives you power. He's an all-powerful God. And when I read about the pain, when I read about the things that are going on in our society, it reminds me a little bit of Job. Job went through a lot of pain in his life. How many know the book of Job? Some of us may scare us because we think it's Job, but it actually says Job. <laughs> Not pronounced Job. Like, hey, I have a book for you. It's called Job. No, it's called, his name is Job. But if you want to read about suffering and pain, and really when you read the book of Job, the first few chapters, I mean, it's a bummer. And yet he says this in Job chapter 6, verse 10, at least I can take comfort in this. Despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. So the words of the Holy One make us a promise. 
And this promise we can all experience. We can experience the divine nature of God's power in our life today, even through the hardship, even through the pain. Job says in, in chapter 19, I know that my Redeemer lives. Amen. I know that he lives. I know that he's alive. And so God wants us to walk in the power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 said, the kingdom of God is not just fancy talk. It's living by God's power. So let me again point to you, let me refer to you that God is the God that is all-powerful. He's El Shaddai. We're going to look at many of these Old Testament names. And really, every need that you have, whatever your deepest need is, God has an answer to your greatest need by his name. God answers your need by his name. El Shaddai means I am God all-powerful. I am the answer to your need. I am the all-powerful God. Some of us today, we're looking for something to fill our need. Can I tell you, God can fill that need. Psalm chapter 68 said, God is awesome. How many can say amen? He gives power and strength to his people. I'm going to go back to that. But friend, when here's the thing. Most of us don't question the power of God. Most of us don't question that God is all-powerful. I mean, if, you, if you've ever gone up to the mountains or if you've ever gone into uh, places where, man, the wonder of God's creation, you have no doubt in the power of God. If you ever look at the human body and, and just look at all the things and, and really what keeps our heart pumping, it's not plugged into anything, what keeps that thing going? What, the, what keeps that thing going without it stopping? Where, where's the energy? Where's the power that keeps going, keeps that heart going? You ever thought about that? So most of us today don't question God's power. We don't question that God is all-powerful. What we question is, is God's power available to us? That is the question. Is God's power available to us? And before I talk about God's power, I want to paint the good news today that God has promises for you that his power can fulfill. And so write this down today. When I can, I can count on God's power when I am weary and I'm tired. How many ever feel tired? I can look around this room and I see some tired people today. Now, let me qualify that. I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about mentally. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about emotionally. And I'm talking about physically. There are some tired people as I look around this room. You're tired. You say, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And can I just tell you today that you can. And I know we can do a lot of things to make adjustments. And I know there's a lot of things that we could probably slow down. I read this statement. It says, uh, why stop and smell the roses when you can drive right through them, right? That's kind of how we do it, right? Man, how do I get renewed? And there's some things we can do to slow down the pace. But listen to God's promise here in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 and 31. Most of us learned the scripture. We've known it before. The Lord is the everlasting God. He never grows tired or weary. In other words, God is never tired. 
He strengthened those who are weak and tired. So God doesn't sleep, but he strengthened those who are weak. But those whose hope in the Lord will renew their strength. We know those that wait upon the Lord, but really hope and trust. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Hallelujah. So you're not going to be a chicken anymore uh, being grounded. You're going to soar like an eagle when you get a hold of God's power in your life. I know some of you probably need to memorize this scripture. Some of you really need to put it on your refrigerator. You need to probably shave it on the side of your head or on the side of your dog, whatever you got to do to remind you that God's power is unlimited, that God is never tired, and he gives grace and strength to those that are tired. How many thank God for that promise? Number two, write this down. God gives us power when I've got nothing to offer. Many of us today, we feel like, man, I got nothing to offer anymore to this relationship. This can be a relationship. I don't have anything left to give. I don't have any more to say to my children. I don't know what to say to him or her. I don't know what I could do more on this job. I am over my head. And so oftentimes we feel like, man, I can't do this. I don't have enough power. I don't have, I have nothing more to offer. You could do that in ministry. I've got nothing more to offer to this ministry. Am I really making a difference? Some of you that are serving in different capacities of ministry and different places of ministry, I've been there. I've been pastoring over 30 years. I've been there where I said, man, is this message like, you know, just went over the pulpit and repented and came right back? That it even get to the ears of people? That people are, people are even hearing what I'm saying? You know, you guys are responding. Thank God. I, I like people to talk back to me. But there, are, there, there have been times when I preach where nobody's saying a word. It's like they're not even hearing what I'm saying. They're like, they're, they're in la-la land. La-la-la, they're somewhere else. Uh, they're not even, it's almost like they have their ears closed. They're not listening. Are we making a difference in Sunday school if you're serving in that area? Are we making a difference ushering and greeting people? Are we making a difference in our children's ministry? Are we making a difference with our teenagers? You know, uh, teenagers are probably the most difficult people to work with. Before I was ever a pastor, I was actually a, a youth leader, a youth director, and, and I was in charge of a youth ministry, and I seen it grow. But I can tell you, man, it seemed like the only times teenagers came to church is when you had pizza or you were serving tacos. Are they here for the tacos or here for God? You don't even know. But I, I found that God will use tacos to, to get the word of God in them. I, I found like, man, you can get them here for pizza, and then somehow God's word to get a hold of them. But see, when I look at some of the folks that are here today, that uh, many of them that are married and grown up, many of them grew up in our Sunday school. They grew up, I'm thinking about my son Omar. He was a toddler. I mean, when, he, when we came to Paramount, he was five months old. And, I, and he went through all the toddler, the nursery, the toddler, the uh, Sunday school, the youth, all of that. And he came out okay, guys, knowing that, like, man, you know, you're all protective. Your kids are going to be fine. They're more resilient than you are. And, and some of the, you know, they all had their little battles, their little fights. You don't have, you know, they don't need mom and dad to always step in. Let them fight a few of their own battles. 
Let them be resilient a little bit. That's a whole nother sermon. You're so overprotective, they're, they're not going to know how to function by themselves. But let's move on. 2 Corinthians 12. See, God gives us power today, even when you don't feel like you have anything to offer. This is the way Paul the Apostle felt. He felt a little inadequate. He said, and God tells him, listen, I, I'm here for you. My grace is sufficient. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said, my power shows up best in weak people. Now, I'm glad to boast about how weak I am. I'm glad to be living, a living demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and my own abilities. So he's basically saying God's power shows up best when I'm weak. It shows up best. It shines in my weakest moments. So in your weakest moment, when you feel like you got nothing to offer, that's when God's power shows up. That's when his grace comes in. Believe it or not, that's exactly sometimes the place where we need to be because you've been uh, uh, on this high horse all on your own uh, and you got to realize today you need God. You can't function without God. See, a lot of us today, we can do a lot of things, but I'm telling you, it doesn't necessarily mean God's in it. You can make a lot of decisions and do a lot of things and then by the time you realize that, what's going on with me because you've been doing it without God? Moses felt inadequate. Moses felt like, man, uh, I, I can't do this. When God told him, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, all of a sudden Moses says, hold on, uh, flag on the play. That's not happening. We can't do that. And God said, I'm with you. God said, man, I, I can, I, I'm going to take you down over there to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him to let my people go. Number three, write this down. We can count on God's power when we're in pain. Or you can make it personal when I'm in pain. Yeah. Some of the pain that's in this room is very real and very hard for a lot of you today. Can I be real? I begin to think about friends and people that I know and people in this room right now that are in pain and are going through some pain in their life. You know, I, I'll get together with pastors sometimes and we begin to share our pain with each other. Now, the problem with pastors, can I just be real? When we start sharing each other's pain, we got to say, wait a minute, you're not going to use that as an illustration, are you? <laughs> and I usually say, as far as you know, I won't. As far as you know. <laughs> I usually use their illustration, but I won't put their name on it. Oh, I, won't, I won't put their name, I won't tell them that it's the pastor. But anyway, let, let, me, let, me, let me identify. Can I identify a list of pain for some of us in this room? Some of us in this room come from a lousy family. Maybe you come from a family or marriage situation where the relational dynamics that are happening in your family are terrible. They're horrible right now. You... you have a home filled with, uh, there's hate-filled people in your home. You don't even want to go home, hardly, because of the pain that's there. Some of the pain that we're going through right now is bodily pain, physical pain that you feel every day. You get up every morning, and it's painful. In fact, you don't look forward to getting up in the morning because it's so much pain. You're in pain right now. Some of us here are in a less 
um, ideal work situation where you don't really like your job. Man, you're looking at you and go, man, I hate this job. I've been there before. I've worked a job where I literally, I would get butterflies in my stomach almost every morning going to work because I hated that job so much. But I had to work. I had to, had to make a living. And I remember driving on the freeway, how much I hated that job and how much I hated the atmosphere. Can I be real today? Yes. Some of us right now, you're in pain. You're going through trauma because of a divorce. Some of us have lost loved ones and you're feeling that pain of lost loved ones. Some of us, listen to this, are facing the reality of an emotional condition that you're just discovering about yourself. You didn't realize you had that emotional condition. But a lot of things have happened, a lot of painful things, and now you're discovering that you got anxiety, you got fear, you got all these things, you lash out, you get mad, you have an emotional condition, you're just discovering because of the pain that you're going through. Some of you are going through pain because of a fractured family relationship or a friendship that has been fractured. Some of us are going through pain because of financial situation right now. You're under pressure. Some of us that are parents, you're, you're broken hearted right now. You're in pain because you're watching your children make un, or self-destructing, unwise decisions. And it pains you to watch it. Some of us, I'll just be real, you're sick of being single, man. You're saying, when am I going to get married? We're going to hook you up here somehow. We're going to believe God's going to find you the right person. I don't know, hook up the right word? It may not be the right word. Is hook up okay? A righteous hookup, all right? A righteous hookup. That's what I mean. See, I, I, was getting really, I was getting really deep, and then I just messed it up. So none of us here are immune from pain. How many know none of us here? If you say, I've never been in pain, you're not alive. In fact, the Bible tells us, or the Bible never promised us that we'll never have any pain in our life. God just promised us that he'll be with us in our pain. If you've been a believer, if you're new here and you just started coming or it's your first time here and you're, you're kind of checking it out, you're kind of wondering, man, what, what's going on, man? They're really talking about pain. They're taking, I'm talking about real stuff. I can tell you that there are believers in this house right now that can share their pain, but that they can also tell you that in their deepest and darkest valley, God's power was there to help them through every single step. God promises his power in the midst of our pain. Psalm 41 says, the Lord nurses them when they're sick and he eases their pain. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul. So God's power not only heals us in our mind, but God's power heals our soul. Our soul is in a lot of pain today. Number four, write this down. We can count on God's power when we're being tempted. All of us are going to have temptations in our life. No matter how long you've been saved, no longer how long you've been uh, walking with God, you're going to be tempted at times. Things are going to tempt you to do things that are not good, that are not righteous. I'm not talking about being tempted to eat a chocolate cake. I'm talking about being tempted to watch pornography. I'm talking about being tempted to, to inbox that girl or that guy other than your wife. 
I'm, I'm talking about that kind of temptation where you find yourself going and being diverted from the will of God and you're tempted to go back into the world. You're tempted to go back to what you were and you don't realize God today's power is there to sustain you and help you through it. In fact, the Bible says that all of us here, we, uh, we, we're going to be tempted, but he gives us power to escape it. Here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 10 says, Every temptation that has come your way is the kind that normally comes to people. In other words, it's nothing, it's nothing new, but God keeps his promise, again, the promise of God, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. We're talking about temptation. In other words, whatever is coming your way, God giving at the time you're being tempted, what does it say? He will give you the strength, that's the power right now, to endure it, and so he'll provide you with a way out. So the promise is there's always a way out. The question is, do you take the promise? The question is, do you take the way out? God says, I'll give you power, I'll give you access. When you feel like quitting, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like you're burned out, in the midst when you feel like, man, I'm inadequate, when you feel like I got nothing else to give, when you feel like you're such in pain that things are beyond your control, God says, I'm there to help you. I'm there to give you power. Paul, Paul understood the power of God. Paul over and over says in, in Philippians 4.13, I have the strength to faith all the conditions by the power that Christ gives me. First John 4.4 4 says, the greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Somebody say amen. amen. So God today is here to give you the power that you need. Now, some of you are standing out there or sitting out there, I should say, and you're saying, that's good for you, preacher. That works for you. But, you know, I'm just a normal person. Uh, you know, I, I'm just a regular guy. I'm the average Christian. And I'm here to tell you today that God has no special favor for Christians or for preachers or evangelists, that we're all the same when it comes to people. And God's power is available. Available to you. Now, here's what I want to say to you God's power is not automatic. That's where we get a little deceived. As a matter of fact, I've seen a lot of Christians who live their life with no power and they're just, they just might as well be like non Christians. You don't have any power in your life. You may have been, you may be saved, but you got no power. See, God does the impossible to provide his power, but we have to do the possible. What is the possible we have to do? We have to take steps of faith in order to access and have the power of God working through us. In other words, we have to position ourselves to receive the power of God. See, God's power is there, but you're out of position. You're not there to receive the power. There's some things that, that God will give you access to, but you have to position yourself in order to receive it. You have to take action steps. So I'm going to make it very simple to you. Not that it's simple, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you a very simple way of remembering it. But not that it's I'm going to give you the ABCs to access God's power. Is that all right? I'm going to start A, B, and C. It's easy as one, two, three. No, it's not that easy. But I'm saying it, it's easy to remember. So A, are you ready for this? You want God's power? A means admit that you're weak. 
Admit it. You're weak. A lot of us today, we don't want to admit it. You got to admit, man, I lack power right now. I don't have it all together. I can't solve everything. Just admit it. You can't control everything going on in your life right now. We pretend, listen to me, we pretend to be self-sufficient. Again, the key word is pretend. And when we pretend, we short-circuit God's power. When you pretend, you are moving out of the position and where God's trying to give you something. See, a lot of times we pretend you won't even answer an altar call because you pretend like you got it all together. I don't need to answer an altar call. I don't need prayer. You pretend like you got it all together. And you short-circuit what God can do in your life had you answered it. You know what the altar call is? The altar is the place where, pe- where things die, where things get cut out. There, there, is, there is that thing called pride that needs to die in your life. Ego, right? Ego, we just, you know, some of us have an ego with a steroid, man. It's just so big. And, 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 and you, you don't want to admit that you're weak. You don't want to admit that you're self-sufficient. If you want God's power, I think the first place it starts is get on your knees and ask God to help you. Get rid of that pride. You know, pride really short-circuits the power of God. Look at what it says here in Proverbs 29, verse 23. Pride ends in humiliation while humility, admitting you're weak, brings honor. If you want God's power in your life, you got to get rid of that pride and stop trying to take control of everything and let God take the will. Remember Jesus take the will? Let Jesus take the will. Hallelujah. Admit that you're weak. Number two, B, remember A, admitting you're weak. B, be connected to to the power source or be connected to God's power source in your life. So a lot of us today... You want power, but you're not connected with God. Now, I have a theory that things that are not connected aren't going to work. How many, no, how many have seen that happen? You can have a toaster. I don't care how expensive the toaster is. I don't care how beautiful the toaster is. I don't care where you bought it. I don't care how great it is. I don't care if it, it can uh, toast four breads, five breads, six breads. doesn't matter. If it's not plugged in, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You can have a teapot. I did it last night. And I, 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 I put water in the teapot. And it's one of those electrical ones. And I, and I, I, I you know, I hit the, the switch there and I went to the restroom. I came back and, and I'm thinking, you know, man, it's ready to serve. My wife goes, was that thing even on? <laughs> she was sitting on the table there and I go, what are you talking about? She goes, I don't think it's plugged in. And I looked at it, I go, it's not even plugged in. Now I gotta wait again. <laughs> See, things don't work unless they're plugged in. And here's what I found today there's a lot of Christians that say, well, you know, I'm already connected to God, then why don't you have any power? The reason why, because ungodly choices and ungodly direction and an ungodly spirit and attitude has unplugged you from God. You're plugged into something else. You're not plugged in with God. And then we have this arrogant expectation that somehow God is going to bless what you're doing. You're not even connected. 
you're pursuing some other things, the way you're thinking, the way your mindset is, man, and you're saying, man, I want God to bless this, I want God to do this, and you're not even connected with God, you're going a whole completely different direction, you're not flowing with God's will, you're, you're, you're doing your own thing right now, you're functioning in your own attitude, and somehow you want God to bless it. Are you crazy? God's not going to bless that. Here's what Jesus said. I am the vine, John chapter 15, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, Jesus talking about him, if you're connected with me and I in them, they will what? Produce much fruit. For apart from me, you could do nothing. Nada. Zilch. Zero. Settle. Amen. For those in Spanish, settle, zero, whatever. You can't do nothing. Nada. You can't do it. Not going to do anything. Things work best when you're plugged in. They don't work if you're not. And so it may seem today, uh, I mean a lot of Christians today that are just not plugged in with God. And, 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 and when I begin to talk about their relationship with God, you know what they often say is, man, uh, it's hard to have a relationship with God. Can I tell you, what a lie. It's harder to get the gas company to come to your house and start your pilot. <laughs> Try to get the cable guy to come to your house, man. And then they give you this timeline, like, you know, between 8 in the morning and 5 o'clock at night. Like, what am I supposed to do? Be here all day waiting for you? And then the moment you leave to go to the store, somehow, like, he was in the bushes somehow, and he came to the door because he was waiting for you to leave. He came, he put the card in, and then he laughed. He said, sorry, we missed you. Got to reschedule. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Amen. It's harder to get that cable guy to your house, to gas company at your house, than to have a relationship with God. Because the Bible says, behold, he stands at the door and he's knocking. All you got to do is let him in. Give him some access in your life. Let him in your door. Let him in your house. Let him in your life. Let him in your heart, in your mind. You know, it really gets me when people say, well, I, I'm just not growing anymore. You know, I'm not growing in the church anymore. I'm a pretty mellow guy. But when people say that, I, can I, I feel like slapping a man. <laughs> like, shut up. Just shut up. You're not growing because you're not plugged in. You're not growing because you're not reading the word. Are, are we spoon feeding you now here? Are we giving you baby food? Are you a baby? Are you sick? Can you not read the word yourself? Can you not begin to get in the things of God? You know, stop blaming other. Stop blaming the church. Blame yourself if you're not growing. Look at you. Look in the mirror. Because there's plenty of places you can grow. You get in the Word of God, you begin to realize today, get plugged into what God's doing here in this house and in ministry here. Can I tell you, you'll begin to grow. God will begin to grow your life. You'll become better than you've ever become. Somebody say amen. amen. And see, here's see, here's the last one. Choose God's way with faith that then God's power will begin to show up. Choose God's way with faith. You've got to begin to take steps of faith. What do I mean by that? You've got to begin to position yourself. You've got to begin to place yourself in that area and say, man, God, I'm going to work or I'm going to begin to take action steps of obedience. 
I'm going to begin to do the word of God. I'm going to begin to practice what you're telling me. I'm going to take some action steps in faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, it is, uh, faith is, it is the confidence and assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. Uh, the Bible said that it's impossible to please God without faith. When I'm connected to God, my choices and my values are clear and they become easier. The reason why you have difficulty with your choices and your decisions is because you're not plugged into God completely. You ever, you ever put something in and, and kind of partially plugged in? And it kind of starts and off. You go, man, what's going on? How come like it started, didn't start? Because it's partially. Some of you, you got that partial plug. You're not fully in the whole socket. You got to put that sucker in, man. <laughs> or, or, or the wire, it's kind of broken. Are you with me? Some things are broken in your life. You're not letting God heal. You're holding unforgiveness. Oh, I don't know where that came from. You're holding some things in your life and grudges, some things, and, and it's broken, and therefore you're, you're messing up the connection. Are you listening to me? Yeah. We've got to position ourselves. We've got to begin to take steps action steps toward God and say in faith God I'm going to trust you in faith God I'm going to put you first in faith God I'm going to read your word in faith God I'm going to begin to pray in faith I'm going to be in the house of God in faith I'm going to have others pray for me in faith I'm going to do what your word says somebody say amen I'm going to begin to obey sometimes and I've said this before raw obedience I obey because it's the right thing to do, not because I feel like it. If we ever listen to our feelings, man, we'd be, uh, somebody said it was that, Rob, we'd be in prison. We'd be in jail if we, if we listened to our emotions. Am I right? How many people would you have killed already on the, on the road and ran your car into? You'd probably be killed yourself because you're trying to run over people and kill other people. Am I right? If we went by our feelings, am I right? Thank God you don't own a gun. Thank God we don't carry right now. Who, who, how many people would be killed around you? But uh, what I'm saying to you today, thank God we don't go by our, our feelings. Because our feelings would just deceive us. We go by faith. We go by obedience. We obey God because it's the right thing to do. We trust God no matter what's happening. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Maybe you got some relationships that are fractured. Maybe, maybe it's time to pick up the phone and make it right. Maybe it's time to talk to somebody and make it right. Maybe there's some things that are out of alignment in your life. Maybe it's time to repent and get it right with God. Maybe some of you, man, you just need to make it right all around in some areas in your life where you're just not being obedient to God. Psalm 68, 35, he gives power and strength to his people. I believe that today. God's power is available today. I say God's power is available today. Let's pray. Why don't we bargain? Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.